So on this week's Serially Hooked, we'll be talking about episodes two through five of the first season of Bad Batch. Last time we talked about the first season opener of The Bad Batch, which was a 70-minute essentially animated film. And following that, we've decided to watch episodes four at a time until the season finales that we will that will come up later on. It was very different, especially because we just finished watching all of the Clone Wars, which is set up as different arcs throughout the seasons. And this, the way it is, it actually kind of reminded me of The Mandalorian in a way where you have different adventures week to week and different things happening. And it just seems less of an arc-based show, which makes sense because it's following individual characters instead of larger storylines. And honestly, it took I was taken aback by it. The first time I watched it, I was a little bit like, huh, this has a little bit of a different narrative vibe than I've been used to watching. And maybe it's just that we're fresh off the Clone Wars. Then it feels a little bit odd, especially because this is also set in the Clone Wars' aftermath. But when I thought about it, and especially on rewatch, I, I didn't mind it as much. There are other things I minded about these episodes, but just the fact that they had standalone things and weren't narratively connected as in an arc, I actually kind of liked it. Yeah, I agree that, you know, it might just be coming from the Clone Wars. And also, obviously, you know, it's very similar to The Mandalorian that way. And I mean, we can kind of see things being set up for the future when we'll talk about those for sure. Uh, but it it kind of I mean I don't I <laughs> I haven't watched that many Marvel movies but I feel like just the the way it it's starting to connect to so many things it kind of feels st- like the the MCU maybe. Do you mean Star Wars and a larger perspective, or just this show feels more like the MCU? I think both. I I think the Mandalorian has all already laid some groundwork, but just you know the fact that. We have now seen Fennec. We have seen Bo- uh, we have seen Jabba. Uh, you know, it's starting to connect to all of these characters that we know very early on, and I think that's just really interesting. And I kind of had the feeling, okay, this is just going to be the next phase of Disney-owned Star Wars, where everything connects with each other. That's a very interesting point, and it reminds me of a couple things. One, there was a question that I had come across recently, and I don't know the answer to it at this point. But the question was, and I'd like to get your opinion on it, is the Star Wars universe too small? Are there too many things interconnected? And within the larger space of a galaxy, are we focused on too small of a narrow perspective of it? And the second thing that it reminded me of, and that's this is a more larger picture question is it's clear or it has become clear that in society reference culture is extremely important and extremely big everyone is interested in to to see things that they like in different lights or in new perspectives even when we go on social media or interact with people online it's everything is based around certain interests that are repetitive in a way and my question is i guess a larger thing in the way that does that hamper 
creativity in a way or does that or originality or is there enough room within those confines to really flourish and does it not necessarily hamper creativity but create a new framework for creativity to shine within and a new and because it is based in a new expectation of consumption of this type of media and i don't think it's specifically related only to the mcu or to star wars more at this point it's a way that people enjoy and consume the media that they're looking forward to even something in like uh, it's a really bad example because it's a terrible movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I do, will not see it. But this second version of Space Jam that just came out, it yeah. is laden with references to random things from Rick and Morty to blah, 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 blah. And these sorts of references imbued within our culture and our mediums, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, or is it something that is just is and is just a new uh, medium. So that's a lot to put at you. One question specifically to Star Wars and one question for media at large. And I'm wondering what you think. So to the first question, whether the Star Wars universe is too small, it's interesting if you had asked me after I had watched The Mandalorian, which was before watching Clone Wars, I would have said no. Today, I think I can see that. It's kind of, I like that there are a lot of connections, but I'm kind of missing, I just I just want something that has nothing really to do with anything else. Like that is just a standalone thing. Be and yeah, just like, because everything is kind of connected, it does feel rather small. So I, can, I kind of have to say yes, in a, in a way. And, and I get that obviously the MCU model has been really successful but I, I guess it's like one of, of two extremes you know either you have everything connected or everything is just like disparate um there are those are the two like extremes the two uh dangers here playing it safe would be have ev to have everything connected it is kind of a shame that now you know that it that it is that it feels so small just because we have all of these connections but it also makes like from a creative perspective i think it makes sense just because you want to build on like from disney's perspective i get why they make all of these shows based on characters that we all like i i get it and like we all like obviously we want them but it's kind of a shame that they are now all connected that like the mandalorian is just the jumping off point for everything that everything is can like you know so yes and i kind of i kind of wish it wasn't that connected but at the same time i'm definitely gonna watch all of these shows i think the one counter to that is the show star wars visions that'll be coming out in september mm -hmm. which is its own anthology show separate from the entire universe that's built or as we mentioned designed by uh, a collection of different japanese animation studios so I think there are trying to branch out a little bit more because if we think about it, I mean, yes, nine movies is a lot or 11 movies is a lot, but not that much really when you compare it to the, how much content there is out there for other 
like the MCU in particular or other television shows. And one of the thing, one of the things that's also interesting is there are different levels of consumers here, right? So things there are some Star Wars fans and a lot of Star Wars fans who will only engage with the films and a lot of them will only engage with live action television shows and then there are some like us who will engage with the animated television shows as well. So I would say that maybe for someone who is engaging with just the live action shows, it is still very large and mysterious. So they don't have so much about Ahsoka and other characters to come in that show or whatever. And for those who are engaged in more of a deeper level, maybe it's a little bit smaller because we see so much more and we get so much backstory. But it's a very interesting layered approach to creating a universe and i am conflicted as a to whether or not it is really too small and in the shows that they're creating they're actually in my mind in some ways making it bigger as well and trying new things in addition to giving us the shows that we've always wanted like the obi-wan show or whatever it is so i find it fascinating and it it is it's yet to be seen how the Cassian Andor show is going to be. And I'm very mm-hmm. interested in how that develops because the Obi-Wan show is clearly going to be something related to the Jedi, obviously, right? Ahsoka's show is going to be clearly related to some Jedi nonsense, like world order building stuff, right? I would assume. Uh, but the Cassian show gives more light to another part of the universe, which might be completely separate. So it's going to be very interesting to see how these things overlap. Yeah, that was also the only example that I could come up with that might not be as strongly related to everything else, you know, the Cassian show. And, you know, from to the point that you just made about people who don't watch the animation versus people who do, it's a really, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's quite the creative challenge to to make a show that you know both of those parties can understand yeah maybe you know the people who know all of the shows whether they're live action or or animated there are more easter eggs for them but you know to to make something that everybody kind of knows about or understands is can't be easy yeah, so there's a couple other shows that I'd like to point out that'll be interesting. So I mentioned Star Wars Visions, which is going to be something different, I think. Um, there's also going to be the Andor show, which might be something different. And then The Acolyte, which we can't forget. It's another television show. And that's set in the High Republic. So this is hundreds of years before the prequel trilogy. So mm. there are three shows that are coming out that are going to be entirely different. And that's not that's a good batting average if you think about it. So obviously the Mandalorian is going to continue Ahsoka and Obi-Wan, but next to them, there's going to be a lot of other things as well. So I think that maybe because of the nature of the star Wars main line films, it has been quite small, but we are growing in a way that is very interesting and diverse. I would say. Yeah. You can't have everything connect. That's the thing. Exactly. And And I like that they're doing different things here. And I think that will be interesting and different than the MCU, for example. The MCU is set in modern day times, more or less. And 
all really does connect to one big bad and has one larger narrative structure and that have branches that come back to the main structure often. But for Star Wars, yes, the Empire is a bad big bad, but we've already seen how that ends. So it is more about filling up Balk's backstory and really exploring different aspects of the universe. And then in addition to that, we have a fictional world with thousands of years of history that we can really engage with. So I'm excited to see all the variety that is yet to come. So, Yeah, I agree. And maybe to your second question about the references. References are cool, but don't overdo it. And I yes. think there there is this temptation to kind of fake a connection to the audience by references but you should do that through emotion and character and um <clears throat> it's just like i think a lot of people are maybe not too lazy but they are not brave enough to do it another way so they just take the shortcut and that usually falls flat on the face that's a really good point it's just lazy writing if you only have references yeah because like what what's the point of that like i don't i don't need like a show that's like that like every episode is just 25 minutes of of references just set in a, in the universe that i like references well made are those where the people who get it they can be like haha yeah nice nice one and then they move on and the people who don't get it are like it's fine they don't get it and it moves on but too often i think these like references are like record scratches in a way where like the uh, show in question does this have you have you just like seen what we did with the reference huh huh and it's just annoying yeah i like some of the references internally to some things so some of the star wars references are fun um, or amazing obviously i mm. love i have gone on record loving one particular reference or two particular references honestly i agree wholeheartedly but we've been talking for so long about larger <laughs> media consumption. Do you think we should actually talk about the episodes we're here to discuss? Absolutely. So let's get right into it. One thing I noticed about the episodes that we watched is there's a surprising amount of diversity. Yeah. So the stormtroopers that I guess they're right? not officially called stormtroopers mm -hmm. yet. There is diversity within that group, clearly. There is diversity. I mean, Fennec, spoiler alert, Fennec Sean shows up, and that's also contributing clearly. Omega's obviously a young girl, which is a part of partially. So there's like a lot of diversity in this show, and obviously we don't notice it as much when it's animated, but it is still important to have different representation within animated films or television shows. So I think it's a very po good positive thing about this show. And I didn't really notice it in content in the Clone Wars or other Star Wars television shows previously. So kudos to them making this show for that. Yeah, absolutely. I was pleasantly surprised that we uh, have no recap narrator in any of those episodes. That was nice. Oh, um, I didn't even notice. Yeah, <laughs> I noticed for sure. We will probably find out later this season, but Wreckers Headaches, they must have something to do with the chip, right? 
for sure. I have that written down as one of my yeah. notes. That he hit his head and there has to be something about that. Yeah. Did he actually hit his head? Yeah. So when they were crash landing onto the moon in episode three, ah. he hit his head in the crash. Ah, and there's a small, like the camera made a point to show him bumping his head against the bar to his side. Interesting. Okay. That kind of, uh, maybe I didn't pay attention that very second, but cool. Okay. That's, that's going to be interesting. Um, I also really like that we get to see the uh, developments in the Empire's military through Crosshair and Tarkin. I, <laughs> it was really funny. At first, I thought Rampart was Lux. <laughs> because he kind of looks like him. And like I could see Lux doing that in a way. Yeah. Like, you know, trans like the Empire is just like, it's not the Republic anymore. The Separatists are gone. So he's just going to be like part of the Empire. You really don't like Lux. Nope. I'm kind of intrigued by the Kaminoans, how they are going to react. I mean, they're obviously really unhappy with what's happening, but I wonder what the result of that will be. So the Bad Batch are all distinct characters, but there is still no real depth to them. We, we're, we're getting glimpses of Hunter with like through, through Omega this time, but... We're still not there yet, and of course, this is just the first five episodes of the series. But I hope they are they are like developed some more. Yeah, I think that these episodes here don't really give that much. They they present the struggles that they're going to go through clearly. Um, there's going to be a character arc for Hunter, him becoming a better mentor. Yeah, for sure. But Wrecker, Echo tech not that interesting honestly crosshair is probably the, the other most interesting of the bunch just because he is proposed as a really interesting villain or a good yeah. villain so there's the character development i guess that you want there um but i think with the wrecker foreshadowing of his inhibitor chip maybe turning on with that hit or yeah, something that's going to be even more heartbreaking because Riker is really developing a relationship with Omega too. So yeah, that's gonna be I can imagine a scene where Riker attacks Omega, and yeah. Omega is just heartbroken. Oh my god! Imagine ah. maybe runs away from the Bad Batch or something. That'd be really interesting. I'd love to see something like that. Yeah, actually, speaking of Hunter and Omega, their relationship kind of reminded me of um, that one scene that you really loved so much. Um, between Anakin and Ahsoka on Onderon specifically where Anakin asks her what she wants whether she wants to stay or whether she wants to return to Coruscant with them and that was kind of at the very end of uh, episode 2 I want to say when they're on Salukamai yeah when they're like about to leave well it's interesting because Hunter doesn't ask her at first Sorry. but she, at he, first. Like, yeah, yeah. he accepts her decision Oh, of course, but at first, that's that's what I'm saying. That's a nice change. So he doesn't ask her, and he says, oh, for your own good. Yeah. But then he learns to accept what she wants, essentially. And I like that development and that change for him, for him and their relationship. So yeah. it's good. It's good. We should be listening to our children and not yelling at them and dominating them all the time. You mentioned it's really interesting to, interesting to see the development of the military side of the empire. 
I'm really interested to see the civilian side of the empire, the yeah. registration of chain codes, impounding ships, et cetera, et cetera. It's a fascinating beginning to the things that we think are normal in the Star Wars universe. And yeah. there are questions about chain codes that I'll have that we'll talk about a little bit later, but it was just really interesting to see the differences between the Republic and the Empire and in this very critical time period, which is the first time we've ever seen this. There are a few annoying things still, but I kind of like Omega. <gasps> yes! Yay! <laughs> oh my god! I never thought it would come. No, I, wow. I had to like I had to insert kind of there because I couldn't bring myself to <laughs> say that I like her. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's looking good. She's a great character, honestly. Yeah. So I agree good. with what you said last time, though. Like uh, probably fifty percent of that is the accent and the voice, char- like the voice talent. Yes, it's, the voice is so important. Not only the accent, obviously the accent plays a part in it, but the voice talent is. She doesn't sound like a child when she speaks, and that's yeah. really important. For example, like the two children on Salukamai, I immediately was annoyed with them. <laughs> yeah same and i knew you were even more than i was but they sound immature in the way that they speak and act and although omega is vulnerable and there are instances in these episodes where she does you do know she's a child the whole plot of episode two is hunter reconciling with the fact that omega is a child and not a soldier that's yeah. important but vulnerability in and of itself does not mean you have to have an untalented child doing the acting. And it's so interesting, honestly. I really, really like that cast choice for them. Yay. Omega's the best, honestly. Oh, I love Omega. What is it? Like, first Ahsoka, now Omega. I mean, I think these shows are developed in a certain way to get us to like certain characters. And then... When those characters have sides to them that we can associate ourselves with and really connect with, it's something that we love, right? And both Ahsoka and Omega have these interesting points to their character that Ahsoka developed beautifully into, and I'm sure Omega will as well. So I'm fascinated by it. Okay, let's get into it. Episode two, Cut and Run. The Bad Batch is going to Salukamai to the far- farm of Kat, the clone deserter we have met in Clone Wars. Uh, and he wants to go into hiding with his family, but the Empire's introduction of chain codes as a form of identifying and controlling citizens complicates matters. Whilst the Bad Batch is stealing uh, some of those codes to to help Kat and his family, Hunter decides to send Omega with them for her own safety. She, however, sneaks away at the last possible second and returns to the Bad Batch. I was really excited that it was Salukamai, honestly. Me too, me too. There's one note that I have to say. I don't think they milked it enough with the panoramic shots of the planet. I would have liked to see more shots of Salukamai itself. Just because one of the wonderful things about the Clone Wars was when you go to a new planet, you get to see the planet from a, from a, a outside or from space. And then from the air, you get to see the landscape and everything. And then you get to see very interesting things. I think they cut that a little bit short in this episode. And that's fine. We've been to Sulukamai. We've seen Sulukamai. But 
it's really nice to call to that grandeur of space in this episode. It was funny. Like I obviously remember that Seleucami is a planet we have been on before. It didn't take me that long to figure out that it was the uh, deserter episode. But we later have like we have other planets that we visit that we've been on before, and it's like, what was that planet again? I know we've been on there before, but oh, but like, what was that one about? It's getting increasingly difficult to keep track. But it's cool to have this background of the Clone Wars particularly is really interesting because you have a history with these random planets for someone who hasn't seen anything. Yeah. Again, we have a scene where Omega marvels at something <laughs> that is just like everyday, like like dirt, literally. <laughs> and again, really reminded me of Rey in yeah. uh, The Force Awakens. There was this great line that I think Tex said, we're all deserters now. Yes, very powerful. And I was like, oof, oof, yeah, on point. And how how sad were you that they had just missed Rex? So fucking sad. But <laughs> that makes me almost 100% sure that they will connect with Rex at some point during the show. If they don't, yeah. I will be even sadder. <laughs> It's, go it's going to be like three more like near misses. <laughs> They're just dangling him in front of us all the time. <laughs> or we see his like the back to everyone else and he just turns around the corner and when they're trying to catch up to him, he's not there anymore. <laughs> Honestly, I wonder what Rex is doing because Cut mentioned that he was talking about the inhibitor chip. So what is Rex yeah. Rex's mission? Is he going around taking inhibitor chips out of some clones? That'd be so interesting. Oh. What is he doing? Yeah, and he's he is probably not with Ahsoka anymore because that's probably something that Kat would have mentioned. Yeah, I would assume they part ways at some point. Yeah, it's all, speaking of the chips, like uh, you know, obviously you mentioned it. Uh, Kat learns has learned from Rex about them, but Omega knows about them too. Tech is not surprised in his usual manner. That is just so endearing to everyone. Everybody loves a smartass. I don't know whether or not I like Tech as a character. Yeah. I think I don't like him, but the way that I don't like him is the way that I'm supposed to not like him, so therefore I like his character. Does that make sense? Yeah. He's a good character in the sense that like he, he is well portrayed in what he is meant to be portrayed as, but it's not a likable character that he's portraying. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and that's on purpose, so respect. Yeah. It's kind of, for me, it's kind of uncomfortable because he reminds me of how I was as a teenager, like an insufferable know-it-all. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like a little close to home. So I kind of like him, kind of despise him sort of way. Uh, I see. <laughs> we get, we get so like Cut is uh, dropping some knowledge. Um, battle, ba battling droids is easy compared to raising a child, which, you know, it's probably true. I have neither fought any droids nor raised a child. And I will probably not do either of those in the future, but... I think you'd more likely fight a droid <laughs> yeah, than raise a child. Probably. I mean, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love the line where um, the kids are playing with the ball and Omega's looking at them and she's like, what is the purpose of this? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was really funny. And Jana was sitting next to me. She's been watching Bad Batch with me. And she was laughing so hard because that's her relationship with sports. She's like, <laughs> nice. It was great. And yeah, it's really sure. funny. And then, then she gets into it, which is fun. 
right? She gets a little too into it, clearly. And mm. I really like the scene oh, when Hunter... Sorry, for one second, I wasn't sure whether you were talking about Amiga or Joanna. Oh, both of them, actually. <laughs> uh, see. <laughs> so has, has she beaten your ass at tennis? Not beaten my ass, but no, she's played basketball a couple, like once with me. <laughs> cool. Which is all more than anything, honestly. But we've watched more sports together than played sports. Yeah. What's more important for her, that she is into like watching sports or is that she's into Star Wars? Probably sports, but not only watching, but playing as well. It's it's a it's a physical activity. It's healthy. It's it's an engaging as well. It's a thing to do with someone as well. So I think that's a big deal for me in particular. I mean, not a huge deal, obviously, but it's fun to do stuff with someone. <laughs> Dropping wisdom right here. Damn straight. This is my couple's advice. Find someone yeah. you can do some stuff with. Yeah, we're pivoting serially hooked now. Exactly. We are a relationship column. If you want to send us your relationship questions, please go to our website at seriallyhooked.com and send us a note and we'll answer your relationship questions. Anonymously, of course. Yeah, we're going to rebrand the show into Sexually Hooked now. Oh my God, that's so good. That's so good. I love it. I I really love it. Sexually nice. Hooked. Ooh. Yeah, of course. This is going to like we're we're just like expanding our our podcast empire now. Can we just can we how about this is for a title? Like how is hooked on love sound good? Sound Ooh, nice. That's, that's like a good that's one. like two sides of the same coin in a way. Yeah, I, like I think it's a good one. On love, yeah. I mean, uh, we have now decided to officially like refer to ourselves as the hookers, so that's great. Courtesy yes. of uh, Adam. <laughs> I love the scene when Omega goes to the fence and they get attacked by the unnamed beast, I guess. The beast that also showed up at the Colosseum scene in episode two. Yes. Yes. Good eye. Wow. Good eye. Thanks. Omega crosses the fence and then is getting attacked by the beast. And Hunter comes to her defense. And then afterwards, Hunter basically goes up to her and yells at her and shakes her, essentially. And... It's just such a testament to how do you deal with children versus humans or <laughs> versus adults. <laughs> that sentence could have come from my mouth and I'm yeah, glad right? you did it. Oh man, I feel so bad now. <laughs> children are humans too. So there, But there's a clear difference between how you interact with children and adults and the way that he interacts with her is just how he would with any soldier, right? And I really like that vulnerability that Omega shows in that moment and that weakness in a way, the weakness that is akin to a child. And it's not over the top. It's just Mm. so beautiful. She just kind of whimpers a little bit and is sitting there shell-shocked to Hunter, someone that she actually deeply, deeply cares about, dare I say loves. And the way that he interacts with her just kind of freezes her for a moment. And it is only when Cut comes in to console her that she is able to kind of reconcile with what happened a little bit. So it's an amazing note and that specific scene I really, really like. The moment after when Sue tells him children get into trouble, our job is to just protect them. I kind of like that. I think it's a little bit on the nose. I would have liked it just to leave it but to the side, especially because they call back to it later in the episode. But That's what was more annoying to me, to be honest, that they call yeah, but- back to it later. Exactly. And in the scene, though, itself, that 
interaction between Omega and Hunter is really fascinating. I really like it, honestly. So you want to talk? You wanted to talk about chain codes, right? No, I wanted to give you the opportunity to monologue about them. Oh, interesting. I don't have that much of a monologue, honestly. It's a very interesting thing that the Republic didn't have a version of them that was just like identification. You know, if you think about it, any country has an ID, um, a central ID that has a number to it. And it's depicted as something that's so evil. And the, the way that they react to it is obviously seen in, as an, in a negative light. And the use of it clearly is not going to be good because it is the Empire and they're evil and they're trying to control people. And it is sort of akin. It reminded me of like the Holocaust branding of Jews in Germany. Ooh, interesting. But Mm -hmm. in and of itself, honestly, having an ID number is not a bad idea. Mm. I, just, I thought about just technology at large is like you can do good things with it, with them with it you can do bad things with it just depends on who's like in charge exactly so I think it's a very interesting thing really the chain codes I don't inherently have problems with it honestly but I understand why the characters react to it negatively and I also understand why the empire is implementing it so I find it very fascinating that it's not a thing that the Republic had because I assumed that the Republic would have some way to identify people, but clearly not. So I guess it makes sense. It's a very mm. interesting thing. You'd think I'd, I, you'd ha- I'd have more problems with it, but I don't have problems with it in and of itself. I have problems that it's the Empire doing it, and that's a whole other issue. I'm jumping ahead quite a bit here, so please stop me if, if there is more you want to talk about. But when Hunter is sending Omega away, I didn't see that coming in the sense that she goes with them. I was really surprised that she went with them, and then I kind of hated it that she d- did slip away at the very last second. I mean, of course, I was happy that she was back, but still, I was like, yeah, that's just like, I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't too happy about how they handled that. Honestly, I didn't mind it. I I didn't think for a second that they would actually get rid of Omega. No. So I knew at the end what the outcome was going to be. So I really didn't mind anything, really. Yeah, at least Kat or his uh, wife didn't like do this thing where like, huh? where where's Omega sort of thing. Exactly. They just didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's fine. Good parents. I, good parents. Yeah, right. One thing that I have to say about this episode, about Omega specifically, I like her oddly more with the head braid thing. The head cover. I don't know what you want to call it, honestly. It's not a head cover, but it's a little band. It's like an amulet or something. Exactly. I actually like her more like that. Maybe I'm just not yeah. used to her with the hair down yet, but it was a really interesting move for them for her to remove it. A symbolic removal of her previous life. Yeah. I wonder what it is about, though. If it has any meaning at all, but I mean, it probably does. I'm sure it does. One question that I have coming out of this episode was Cut asks Hunter, what is her purpose? And that's a very good question. And it hasn't been revealed yet through five episodes. So why was she created? What can she do? I have maybe a hunch, but... I have too, and I'm really curious what yours is. I guess my hunch is that she can basically do everything that every Bad Batch person can do. 
mm. and she is the new uh, she's she's like the new breed of a good a better version of clone trooper essentially yeah. and she's supposed to be the feeding genetic source for future more advanced clones developed by the Kaminoans. To be honest, that was kind of my hunch after watching the first episode. Um, I think partly because of the amulet, I kind of have the theory now that maybe they injected like some midichlorians in her and now she's force sensitive or something. That would be really cool. Because that would also kind of tie into Grogu. You know? Oh, in a way. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder really what's going to happen there. But yeah. my only thing is that because she was able to shoot with the gun without thinking about it, and then she was able to really quickly learn how to hunt, how to track in episode three. So she has Hunter's abilities. She has Crosshair's abilities. So I wonder what other abilities she'll have. And I think that would be a good, like a, like a good th- uh, thing as well. Like obviously you kind of like, she's kind of the prototype for it. And maybe that was supposed to be like a like more incoming, but maybe that's exactly what is now stopped by Tarkin, which would have would be pretty funny that he'd like just stops the creation of better clones. Yeah, very ironic. Speaking of which, shall we talk about the next episode? Let's do it. Okay, so we are at episode three, replacements. The Bad Batch need to repair their ship on a moon when an Ordo moon dragon steals the crucial part. Only because of Omega, who goes inside the beast's lair, do they get it back. Meanwhile, Crosshair is put in charge of a group of recruits, kind of a test flight for the potential future of the Imperial Army. When they go on a mission to find and kill Saw Gerrera on Onderon, and one of the recruits refu- refuses to kill civilians, Crosshair shoots him, and the others follow his orders subsequently. That's kind of the gist of it. Yeah, essentially. And while this episode is nominally about them being stranded on a moon, it's more important. It's more importantly about... Crosshair, yeah, for sure. Exactly. Crosshair and Rampart, specifically. Mm. They are setting up Rampart to be the big boss of the on the Imperial side and Crosshair to be the big, big boss that goes around and will actually chase them and shoot them down. So... Yeah there and really setting crosshair up as a really good villain and just showing him as an evil person and it's it's really good so i think it's very effective this episode on that specific note on the other side it's also kind of cool i guess like you get to see more of hunter and omega's relationship and it's a little bit interesting because the head bump as well we don't know what the effect of the head bump is so it's interesting. There are things going on, and I think a lot of that stuff is on the underside, while the main porpoise of this... Wow, porpoise. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, right. The main purpose of this episode is on the villain side. So, And also, on top of that, is the Camino leaders doing other things that we don't know about. So there are so many layers of things going on that... It's okay for this episode and quite frankly good for this episode for the Bad Batch actually take a little bit of a seat to the side here. Yeah, in a way it is a very, in in, the, in this cutting back and forth, it's a very Star Wars episode because that's what's part of the, like basically the signature of all of the movies. I don't really have much to say in addition to that about this episode. I, I think it's just a nice, sweet episode. 
I like the ending scene, honestly, when Wrecker kind of makes her the room. It's a really cute relationship between them. And you notice mm. that she still is playing with the doll that Wrecker has. So it's a really cute little back and forth that they have. So as as fatherly the relationship is between Hunter and Omega, it's so fraternal the relationship between Wrecker and Omega as well. So and, yeah. and it make kind of makes sense that she would be closer to those two and then Hunter and not Hunter. Echo and Tech would be a little bit more distant just because of their personalities and experiences. So it's really cool. I like it. I really liked when they were crash landing. And like Rekka says to Amiga, get ready for your first crash crash landing. And like, we're gonna die, we're gonna die, we're gonna die. And then side look to to uh Omega. Everything's gonna be fine, everything's gonna be fine. <laughs> it was uh, that was pretty funny. Definitely a loud file loud moment. I really, really like the addition of the droid. The Yeah, droid. he's so cute. He's very I simple. Forget, yeah, I forget what uh what the the name of this uh, type of droid is but as uh, you know two veterans of playing battlefront we know the sound <laughs> uh that was a really interesting twist on the um on the kind of tension between the clones and the and the uh recruits in a way like both in the sense that okay crosshair is kind of going to be the commander but also the se- the scene on uh on onderon and the like descent i thought thought that, that was really powerful i mean not not surprising in a way but just the way it was done it was like i thought yeah that's a really solid scene to get this point across very effective and you can tell its efficacy because crosshair is now just such an evil person it's yeah. great i really i really like that scene obviously and it's cool because you see the nascent rebellion fighting against the nascent empire I don't know what like what did you think about maybe the last point that we can and then we can move on crosshair in the old bad batch quarters I mean I found it just a note on how far crosshair has come yeah and how far he's deviated from the brethren that he used to call his brothers and I really do like the scene where they pan over the numbers that wrecker used to notch into the wall that was very effective honestly that was kind of the most powerful part of that oh for sure because like the entire room had been de- redecorated but that's the uh, like one thing that was still there yeah or may- maybe it wasn't redecorated but only like tidied up and like yeah because it was a mess light fixes yeah <laughs> okay should we go on to episode four then if there's like i mean it was a, it was like a solid episode it's really interesting but there's not that much to say Honestly, all these episodes are kind of like that. They're yeah. fine. They're solid. Not that much to say. So I'm glad we were able to talk about so many other things as well this episode of Serially Hooked. Okay, episode four, Cornered. And the Bad Badge is going to Pantora for a much-needed supply run. The landing bay attendant rats them out to a bounty hunter who is looking for Amiga. And it's a young Fennec Shant, everyone. But we don't know that yet. Fennec comes in contact with Omega. And after Hunter realizes what's going on, chases her through the city with other members of the Bad Badge on their heels. In the end, they can shake Fennec off, repair the ship, and leave Pintora. That's basically what happens. It's like they're great. They're the chase I really enjoyed. I very quickly was like, "Is this Fennec? Is this Fennec?" And I was really glad that they cleared that up in the next episode. And I really enjoyed her here. Yeah, you can see how effective 
Fennec is and how good she is as a bounty hunter. I really liked it, honestly. I yeah. suspected it was Fennec as soon as he took her mask off and was talking to Omega, honestly. But obviously I wasn't sure until they said it. And the way that she lures Omega in with a false sense of security and then obviously just goes over to take her out is it's so well done. It's amazing. And I really, really makes me curious. So what is the plot line there with Fennec? Why is she hired to capture Omega? Is she hired by the Kaminoans? That's my suspicion. Yeah. Is she hired by someone in the Empire? Somebody else? A criminal syndicate? Is Maul coming in? I don't know what's happening, honestly. Maybe a young client from the Mandalorian. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We don't know. So it's really Ooh, what if the client is like uh is like Rampart or something? That'd be really interesting. Whoa. That's awesome. Right? <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, there's so many things that are happening here. Yeah. And I think it's just a good chase scene episode, essentially. Very as you mentioned for the last episode, this episode also feels very Star Warsy. Yeah. I kinda I kinda love that uh you know, Amiga is always excited to explore like anything and everything. <laughs> it's just hilarious to me that like the thing she gets distracted by is like basically space puppies. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that's a nice touch. And so indicative of children. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, this thing, let me just like wander off. Uh, <laughs> the whole the whole subplot with uh, Echo being mistaken as a droid and then like being in charge of the droids that was pretty funny to me <clears throat> especially i think the the best scene of that was at the very end when he's when they had repaired the ship and he was like yeah we did it and the three like our units were like yay <laughs> like oh <laughs> and now it's back to good old boring c unit it's so funny yeah. i really like i like droids so much sometimes yeah i mean especially when they're done when they're on the sidelines maybe not the main characters but they're so cute. Uh, and the idea of selling Echo as a droid is so funny. And then when he walks out of the saloon or whatever, the place that he was sold, he's just like, well, tough shit, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm I'm worth more than 2,000 earlier, too. That was like yeah. pretty funny. I'm worth at least 4,000. It was like 3,000 sold. <laughs> <laughs> I liked all the um the action scenes here like the whenever Fennec is fighting with members of the Bad Batch. I mean obviously she like knocks out Wrecker with one hit or like with one move rather, but like her encounter with Hunter was also really cool. And the chase was solid. Nothing nothing to write home about, but it was good. It was good. It's fun. I like it. Yeah. And you know that they're act she's actually gonna capture Omega at some point and that they're gonna have to rescue her. It's a Grogu yeah. complex. <laughs> yeah. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, that's the great thing, right? Is if it's like, yeah, we kinda saw it coming, but we still enjoyed it. Yeah, it's cool. I like this episode, honestly, but it is a very simple one to discuss plot wise. Yeah, there were a few things though that I didn't see coming in the next episode. Yeah, there's a lot in the next episode, honestly. So the next episode, episode five, is titled Rampage. Um, the Bad Badge is looking for a former Je Jedi informant named Sid to find out who hired Fennec. In exchange for this information, they need to do a job, though. Side quest. 
um, they need to retrieve someone called Muchi, who, as is later revealed in a hilarious fashion, is a young Rancor, presumably, presumably the Rancor Jabba has in his palace in the original trilogy. The mission is difficult but successful, and Sid gives them their share of the reward, though is unable to hold up her side of the bargain because she couldn't find out who Fennec's client is. She does, however, offer more mercenary work in the future if the Bad Badge is interested, which just really intrigued me. I'd love to see some one-off episodes where they go on quests like that. But first off, I want to start and I'll start off by asking you, how excited were you that the Zagirians were back? Oh my fucking God. <laughs> I was so mad. It's the maddest the show has made me up to this point, honestly. Yeah. Um, like, just just say slavers. You don't have to call, like, just like the naming is just so bad. Obviously, like, they're fine in this episode. There's nothing really bad about them. They're just like your typical bad guys that you have to go rescue people from. Whatever. But just like, are we still going to go with this Zygerian name? Are yeah. you kidding me with this? Ugh. It's. I mean, they didn't have much screen time or voice, honestly. So I'm not that mad about them in particular. But I'm mad about their continued existence in the Star Wars universe, largely. Yeah, I feel like fifty percent of the power base of their leader is just the uh, the animal, like oh, the for badass sure. thing. Yeah. That was yeah. great. And that animal is really cool, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's pretty nice. Um, I love that in the beginning, Wrecker trains with the droid. He's like deadlifting the droid. That was hilarious, <laughs> and especially because he was still kicking his little feet. That was adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the Zagirian slavers coming back is kind of the uh, equivalent to Clovis showing back up. It's like, really? Of all the things to bring back, is it this? Yeah, but unlike Clovis, they weren't annoying and they didn't take up the screen mostly. They weren't the hero in the story. Yeah, and unlike Clovis, though, this is 2020, 2021, which is a little annoying. Good point. Um, They should know better, really. What did you think about the Bad Batch being uh, captured? I thought it was way too easy. That animal was really OP, honestly. That is literally my uh, my note. <laughs> no, it's crazy. I don't know how that happens. Clearly, I mean, they just got snuck up on. But the fact, especially that Wrecker is able to dominate the Rancor child, like mm. at the end of the episode, just goes to show like how, how, why? No, that makes no sense. It would make sense to me if they captured Hunter, maybe, and then the the thing flew off before they could stop it, something like that, and then, then they have to try and rescue Hunter with Omega or something happens of that nature, but all of them being captured? Bullshit. Yeah, that's very true. And it was also really obvious that the child was not Moochie. Like, from the very, like the very, time, the very first time we saw her, it was like, that's probably not it. Yeah, no way. It was also like immediately recognizable in the hologram that it was like Jabba's like assistant or I forget his name. Yeah. But that was just exciting to me. Oh, so exciting. I really liked that little note that we got to see the Rancor. It's clearly the Rancor. I don't yeah. think there's any question, honestly. No. But ugh, it's just so I like it, honestly. So the Bad Badge is responsible for a great many things as Rancor does, kind of. I mean, not really, but it's just funny to think the through line there, you know? 
Is that oh, like, good point. <laughs> in like tech explaining the like behavior, which is very much like Animal Kingdom sort of thing. Yeah. Which, like it will bow to an alpha. Uh, and then, of course, we have the hilarious scene with Wrecker and they're just like fist fighting and then they're just both so tired. <laughs> It's kind of funny, honestly, the way that ends. Just them just being like, uh, 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 panting. And I kind of like that we don't exactly, like, we don't know who Fennec is, like, working for. That was nice. Yeah. We have our hunch, obviously. Yeah. But it's exciting just to, you know, think about what it could be. And there is another reveal to come. Yep. So many reveals. Now I'm really excited to get into the next few episodes, so... Yeah, I think this show is really cool because it is just getting more exciting every time we watch it. Yeah. So, I mean, we were excited coming into it, but going further through the show, it just makes it better and better. Let's hope so. So what are we going to watch next time? So next time we'll be watching episodes six through nine of season one of The Bad Batch. So, Chris, if people enjoyed what they heard and wanted to support us in any way, what should they do? You can tell your friends or you can tell strangers on the internet by rating us on wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever. Uh, Preferably, of course, five stars because, I mean, come on. Five stars! (laughs) And also check out our website, uh, serialhook.com. You can find myriad ways of contacting us, uh, leaving topic requests for the future, or just drop us a line, inspiring us for future installments of either or. Uh, If there is a specific top four you want to hear us discuss, you can also leave that there. There's a kind of a suggestion box there. So yeah, visit it. If, If only to check out the amazing art by our friend luca thank you so much but before we go i have a surprise for you chris oh wow mary fuck kill hunter wrecker tech <laughs> nice a mary hunter uh fuck wrecker and kill tech nice <laughs> <laughs> see ya I think that we speak better now (laughs) than we did a a few months ago whenever we started. You'd hope so, right? So we just watched. (laughs) I was just thinking, fuck, what do I say? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Well, now Chris ruins Rashad's transition. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we just watched episodes. Well, not just over the course of however much time. God. I'm doing this. I'm do- I'm doing this. What I just said that I hate that I do is like amble amble amble. So that's the first question. And the second thing that it reminded me of I forgot. Fuck. Um <laughs> shit. What were you saying earlier? Can you remind me really quickly what you said? I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly.